So this is the third and final week of a series of talks we've been doing on salt and light. What does it mean to be salt and light? And we get this from a passage in the book of Matthew where Jesus says, hey, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you should be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so we've been reading this passage over the past three weeks and asking ourselves some questions. And one of the first questions we ask is, well, what does it actually mean to be salt and light? How do we do that? And there was a very encouraging thing we learned. We learned that ultimately to be salt and light means we don't have to be God. We simply need to, need to show that God is already working. Everywhere we are, everywhere we go, God is already working in the world, in people's hearts. Our job is simply to show that God's there. We said that, you know, sometimes we think we have to be a superstar to be salt and light, and salt is never the star of a dish. If you've got chicken, the salt shouldn't be the star. The chicken's the star. The salt enhances the flavor, and our job is simply to enhance and show people what God is doing all around them. Last week, we asked a question. We said, you know, these verses, they talk a lot kind of on the negative side of, you know, salt losing its saltiness and covering a light. And so we said, well, how do we not do that? How do we not lose our saltiness? And we looked at another famous passage where Jesus said, ultimately, you need to love God first and then love others. And then you begin to be able to be salt and light. And so today, I want to read this passage one more time, and I want to look at another section of this and ask ourselves a question about what does it mean to be salt and light. So follow along as I read Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, Jesus makes a pretty obvious statement in this verse. And he says, if you wanna light up an entire room, then you take the light and you put it up on a stand. And this is pretty obvious. In most of your homes, if you look around, most of the lights are attached to the ceiling. It, it just makes common sense. If, if a light is up high, it shines light on everywhere, and so we put our lights up high most of the time. You don't stick your lights underneath your table. You stick your lights hanging down over your dining room table so you all get light from it. But why did Jesus use this rather obvious phrase that, hey, if you're going to have a light, you will put it on a stand? The reason Jesus said that is ultimately Jesus' goal for us is that he could take us, those of us who follow him, and put us up on a stand. That's the idea, we are the light. Jesus says, hey, I wanna put you up on a stand so that you share my love with everyone around you. You are the light to everyone around you. I wanna put you up on this stand. Now, for many of us, that kind of idea of putting ourselves on a stand makes us a little uncomfortable. In fact, we have phrases that, that when we talk about putting ourselves on a stand, we say like, you put yourself on a pedestal. That usually is a negative thing. That means that you think you're better than other people around you. Or we say, you know, you, you get up on your soapbox, which means you stand up and you kind of yell your views and, and try to push your views on other people. So in our culture, most of the ideas of putting ourselves up on a stand are not good. But Jesus is saying the exact opposite thing. When we think of a stand, we think of kind of egocentric, I'm better than the rest of you, I will stand up in front. 
When Jesus says, put your light on a stand, what he means is, hey, you know what? You're such a good servant. You're so loving. You're so caring. You're so patient. You're kind. I'm going to put you up on a stand because you're going to show that that's what God's like. You're going to show that that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that you are encompassing all those things. So the question I have for us this morning is how can we, if we can, how in any way do we become more stand-worthy? How do we become people where Jesus is like, I, I'm going to put this person on a stand because they are shining who I am so brightly. They are showing who I am that I want to put them on a stand so they show everyone in their house, they show everyone in their neighborhood, they show everyone in their community, this is what God is like. This is what it means for God to be a part of their lives. How do we make ourselves stand worthy? Now, as I studied this and I began to look at it, I realized there's actually a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about how we do these kind of things. It's one of the core parts of the Bible to figure out how we become more like this. But I found one that really seemed to encapsulate the idea of what it means most clearly. And so I want to look at that this morning. It's from the book of 1 Timothy. Now, the book of 1 Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul, and he's an older guy writing to a younger guy, Timothy. And he's trying to explain to Timothy, hey, this is how you become a more effective church leader. This is how you ultimately become more salt and light. And in that book, Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. He says, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Now, these verses have a very interesting phrase that says, train yourselves to be godly. And he uses that phrase, train yourself. And that's very interesting because I find, even in my own life, when I think about being godly, now being godly simply means living a life that honors God. It actually just means living the way God intended us to live. God created us, and he wants the best for us. And he, and he wants us to live in a way that's the best way we can live. And so living godly is simply living the way God designed us to live, which is ultimately the best way for us to live anyway. So God says, hey, you know, what you have to do, in order if you want to live that way, you have to train yourself to live godly. I find we don't usually think that way. What we think is I need to try harder. So last week, I ended with this little challenge of, uh, a, a, of a, a, a magnet that has a little map of your neighborhood. If you didn't get one, there's some at the Resource Center. But I challenged us to say, hey, how do we literally love our neighbors? Like, literally love the people next to me, next, who live next to me. And I got a number of these, some people emailed them to me and uh, filled out, and they had people they met with. And then one of them had like a, this bottom box said, mean guy. And... Uh, <laughs> I think we all have one of those in our neighborhood, and they, they're, they're trying to figure out, how do I literally love that mean guy who lives in my neighborhood? So it was pretty neat. And so I, I gave this challenge, and often we thought, you know what, I need to go try harder to love my neighbors. Or sometimes people say, hey, you should forgive even your enemies. And we're like, man, I really need to try harder to forgive my enemies. And the problem is, and then the next day comes, we're like, I'm going to try hard. And then we, oh, man, I didn't do it very well today. And, uh, and so we get discouraged. This idea of training is very different than trying harder. If I were to tell you, hey, today, what we're challenging you to go do is go run a marathon. Most of you would not get up tomorrow morning and be like, 26.2 miles, I'm in. I'm out the front door, boom, I'm going, right? I'm just going to try really hard to run a marathon. If I try really hard to run a marathon, I'm going to run a marathon. 
We don't think that way. If you were an idiot and wanted to actually run a marathon, no offense to those runners out there, you would go, I need to train. I'll run a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow. I really have no idea how you train for a marathon, but <laughs> sounds like something you might do. I, I, I would train. I, I, don't, I don't imagine that I can just step out tomorrow and run a marathon. And in fact, many of the things that Jesus wants us to live, he says, you know what? It takes training to get there. Now, that doesn't mean you don't do anything. Yeah, you do. You, every day, you do a little bit. There's a phrase that I love, and it actually says, you know, we often overestimate what we can do in one day and underestimate what we can do in a year. But we overestimate, we think tomorrow I'm gonna get all this stuff done and then we don't get it done and we get discouraged. What if we did a little bit every day and then you look back at the end of the year and you're like, wow. That's the mentality that Jesus is saying here, that Paul is saying here. He says, hey, you need to train to be godly. You need to have a mentality. Now, when I think about this, when I think of, well, what does that look like for me? What I think is that in order for us to be stand worthy, what we have to do, what this idea of training to be godly really means that we live a lifestyle of preparing ourselves to be used by God. A lifestyle of preparing ourselves. It's not just like one thing, I did, I did it today and boom, I'm, I'm all good. If there is a switch that we could just turn on, I'm going to turn on the godly switch. Like, boop, oh, I'm godly today. Like, if there is that switch, please come and tell me. Like, show me where that switch is because I would love to switch it, what it takes to live a godly life, what it takes to ultimately be salt and light, to be stand worthy, where God says, hey, I'm gonna put you on a stand because you can be salt and light to everyone in your family, in your community. What it takes is it takes a lifestyle of preparing ourselves. And that word lifestyle is very important. It means we do something every day. We grow a little bit each day. We change the way we live so that we are enabled. We're preparing ourselves to be used by God. I have a friend who got some heart trouble, actually had to have heart surgery, and then they said to him, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to change your lifestyle. You need to eat differently. You need to exercise differently. I have a bad back. I had a ruptured disc. I had surgery a couple years ago, and they said, hey, you need to change your lifestyle. You need to do certain stretches. You need to, for those of you guys back problems, they always talk about your core muscles. I hate the core muscles, but anyway. <laughs> you know, they say, you gotta do these exercises. You can't sit like that. You have to do all these things. Change your lifestyle. now." My friend has got heart problems, myself who's got back problems. I don't, we don't have to change our lifestyle. But if we don't, he's much more likely to have a heart attack. I'm more likely to have back pain for the rest of my life. Ultimately, God's saying, hey, you don't have to change your life. You can go do the exact same things you've been doing. But if you ultimately want to be salt and light, if you want to be used by God, if you want God to say, hey, use you to be a part of what he's doing in this world, if you want to be stand worthy, where God says, I'm going to put you on a stand because you understand what it means to love and serve and you can show that to other people, if you want to do that, ultimately, God says, you're probably going to have to change your lifestyle a little bit to continually prepare yourself, to put yourself in a position where God can use us. So if that's the case, the next question I ask myself is, how do I do that? How do I live a lifestyle that prepares myself to be used by God? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because basically, if you want a pastor to talk for an hour and hours, basically ask them, hey, how do I grow? Right? Ultimately, what we're talking about is simply being a disciple of Jesus, and what we're talking about is something we call in the church discipleship. It's learning how to live more like Jesus, learning how to grow. And if you want me to talk for hours and hours, uh, I'm good. I'll be here for the rest of the day. We'll start talking about how do you actually grow spiritually? How do we do this? How do we put ourselves so we can be up on a stand? Now, unfortunately, some of you probably want to leave in the next 15 minutes or so. 
So what I want to do is I want to just explain to you what we have a church. We've, we've grappled with this because this is why church exists, just in case you're wondering. Church exists to help us introduce us who God is and then say, hey, let's train ourselves to be salt and light and go out. That's why we exist. That's why this whole place exists. And so we have a church. We've wrestled. How do we do this for all the people who come here to church? How do we train ourselves? And so we said, hey, there's four things that if you do these things, they ultimately lead to a lifestyle of preparing yourself to be used by God. If you've been coming here for a while, hopefully you've heard of these things before. One of the first things that starts is worship. It begins with worship, which is simply celebrating who God is, remembering what God has done. We talked about this a little bit last week. When you remember who God is, like that God loves you, then if other people don't love you, if other people treat you in a way they shouldn't treat you, you can at least be more steadfast because you're like, God loves me, God's with me. You can remember what God's done so that when you're going through times that are rough, you're like, yeah, I, I've done this before, but God was with me. In fact, God used the rough times in my past to grow me. You know what? I can get through this. When it begins with worship, it's, it, it changes your attitude, changes the way you get up in the morning. You get up going, all right, I'm gonna do a little bit of training today. We're gonna see what God has for me today and I'm gonna go, let's go. Worship. The next thing we talk about is community. You heard Chris talk about his, the influence community has had on him. A few years ago, a woman came to the church and she was in college at the time and, and she had just become a Christian and she was very uh, energetic and enthusiastic about her faith. Uh, to be honest, she wasn't very good at the godly living part of it. Uh, she was involved in a number of things. She came to a couple Bible studies and I ran. She came to these Bible studies way too often drunk. Um, not usually what happens at our Bible studies, but you know, she came and she continued to come. And then the, the, she did this other thing where she would invite herself over to my house and spend time with my family. And it was, you know, it was nice. She was a nice person. I was glad to have her, but I'm like, why are you at my house? And then I saw her do that with other people. She was at their house and I realized she was forcing herself to have a community that actually encouraged her to grow because she didn't have that. She didn't have that at home. She didn't know who her father was, her dad, or her mom was not a good role model. And so she forced herself into certain places in a good way, in a very good way, so that she could actually grow because she needed that. The truth is, it is impossible for us to truly live a godly life without a community of people encouraging us and without us encouraging other people. There are some people in this room that deeply need to be a part of a community like that. We talk about our living free groups or support groups for people that are kind of struggling with some things that maybe they've done, maybe things that have been done to them, maybe things that they kind of need to get past. There are hundreds of people in this room that need to go to one of those. Because you need that support to get you to the point where God says, now you can be stand worthy. Some of you come from great backgrounds, you have a great community, and you know what you need? You need to share that with someone else. Sometimes you kind of keep to your community, like, I've got my little community here, and there's someone in there that needs to force their way, and maybe they don't force their way into your life like the woman forced her way into mine. And so you need to step out and go, hey, you know what? I'm gonna invite this person into my community of encouraging people, and even though it's gonna be a little bit messy, I need to have them in there because we need that. We need that community to encourage us. We need to be encouraging other people to actually be living this godly life. Worship, community. The third one is serving. Serving is a way to kind of be a, you're a little bit of a player coach. You get to like step into the game and grow at the same time. Because that's what happens when you play. You know, I, I, I've got kids that play a lot of sports and ultimately when they're playing a game, they're still growing. They get better at playing that game. And so serving is a way where you step out and you say, hey, I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna step out. And serving simply means you put other people's needs above your own. 
At home, that means you do what's better for someone else rather than what's you in your family. When it comes to the church, if you're on the parking team, it's, you get here early, you stand out there in the cold except for a beautiful day like today, and you help people park their cars even though it's harder for you. That's what serving is. Serving is taking those opportunities. When I walked in, there's a uh, spot to sign up for like VBS, serving at VBS this week, and uh, it made me think about the fact that uh, my, my daughter, a few years ago, invited one of her friends, and this friend, uh, her family didn't really go to church, and so she invited her friend, and she invited her friend a second year to come to VBS, and then all of a sudden, this friend's mom called my wife, because this friend didn't really have much of a church background, and they kind of were like, hey, we're going to let our pit kids pick what they want, and so the wife calls my wife, or the mom calls my wife, and she says, hey, um, my daughter's been coming to your church for a couple of VBSs, and now she wants to be whatever you guys are. What are you guys? That woman ultimately started coming her, here, her and some of her family. She went to actually starting point like Chris did. She's in a community group now. And she's actually been able to overcome some of the struggles she's had in her own life because she understands she's got a relationship with God. Like serving is a way to step out, to step in and say, hey God, I want to be a part of this game that you're doing. I want to be a part of what's going on and I want to have a lifestyle of growth in my life. Worship community, serving. The last one is something we call ownership. Now, ownership ultimately means that you take ownership. You take the initiative to grow. There comes a time when you actually have to say, you know what? I don't want to stay where I am. I want to move forward. And that's often sometimes a personal thing. There are things that we can do as a corporate group, but there comes a time when you say, you know what? I need to move forward in some areas. Pastor Larry was up here and he was talking about, you know, uh, making a commitment to the faith promise and supporting the amazing missionaries we have. There are a number of us that think, you know what, I need to try harder to give more money to missions. That's a great thing, but ultimately what it, what it takes is some training. Because the truth is we've gotten to a pattern of spending that's not healthy and we, we view money wrongly. And so we run things like a financial peace university that helps us go to that and go, hey, I need to train myself to use my money in a better way. So ultimately, I can use it to do more of the stuff God wants to do, like support missionaries in 40 countries. Like that's a training mentality. A training mentality is, okay, I may not be able to give a lot today, maybe $8, whatever it is, but you know what? If I train a little bit, I can actually grow. That's taking an ownership step of saying, hey, I realize my finances. Some of us, it's some, we got some attitude issues. Some of us may not understand. Right? There are things that we can do, things like reading the Bible, things like praying, things like fasting. They're like, I don't know how to do that. Well, then what do you do? When you take ownership of your faith, you're like, hey, I'm going to go figure that out. I'll go meet with someone who can teach me about it. I'll join an ownership seminar or a class that can help me. I am not gonna just sit here where I am. I'm gonna make myself stand worthy. I'm gonna take initiative in my faith. I will take whatever that next step is for me that helps me grow. That's what it means. You've heard last week, you're gonna hear more in the coming weeks about building like a second floor over the kids here area over here. The whole reason we wanna do that as a church is because that's an area that the primary purpose is training people to live in godly lives. It's training uh, kids, it's training students, it's training adults. Pastor Steve is running a leadership class right now that's meeting off-site at a, at a restaurant because there's no spot here at our church. Like We desperately want to train as many people as possible to be salt and light in our community, to show that love that God has, that everybody can experience that. That's who we are. That's what it means to be part of this church. That's what it means to be salt and light. Now, we're actually trying to do this, not just our own personal lives, which is great. We're actually trying to do this as a church. 
We're saying, hey, as a church, how can we be salt and light in our community? How can we do that even better? We have thousands of people who come into our building every week and, and we, there's amazing ministry going on in all of these areas. But we said, as a staff, we kind of looked at this year and said, what if we were more involved in our own community? So one of the things I did as part of that is I reached out to meet with some of the leaders of Fairfield. I live in Fairfield. The church is in Fairfield. We are a regional church. We've got people who come from all over, but I I live in Fairfield. So I said, you know what? Why don't I go meet with the first selectman? Now, that's a weird New England word for mayor. I didn't grow up in this area. So that's like a mayor of Fairfield, right? So why don't I go meet with this guy? So I I set up a meeting to meet with him. And I said, hey, you know what? As a church, we want to serve the community. How can we do that? I actually met with the superintendent of schools and said, hey, you know what? I would like to, I, we, we as a church, just whatever way, I don't know what it is. I don't know, we're picking up trash. What, what do you want us to do? We just want to serve our community. We want to add value. We want to enhance what's going on in the community. And I had wonderful conversations. Although I was challenged when I met with that first selectman. He's been this first selectman to Fairfield for seven years. And he goes, you know what? I've never been in your building. Well, he could have walked to the door, but I, I also could have invited him. So we did. Actually, this week, he's going to walk through our building. Because we want to be a, a, a resource. We want to be someone who is salt and light in our community. And I want to end, actually, with just challenging you guys with one kind of very specific way that you guys can be salt and light as well, and that we need your help as a church to be salt and light in our community. We're doing something again this year. We started it last year. It's called a Love Works Service Day. And we had, I think, around 500 people serve in various ways, some through the community group, some individually, some came here at the church. And we said, hey, we want to do that again. Let's do that again. But let's do it in a way that we actually serve in our communities. So we actually have six different sites where we're going to be meeting up. We're going to be meeting up at these different sites. Those of you in community groups, starting next week when you start your community groups, you're actually going to be talking about what are the projects we're going to do? What are we going to be doing in our area where we meet because we want to be salt and light in our communities. And so I want to challenge those of you here to put June 9th on your calendar. Mark it in right there. It's a day that you can serve in some capacity. And you can go on uh, brc.church and you can sign up. You're like, I'm going to sign up to actually serve. You can sign up to join one of these areas. You can sign up to do it in your community group. And if those don't work, you can sign up to do it individually. But the other thing we need you for is we actually want you to be looking around in your communities to be going around in your communities and going, hey, where in my community needs to be served? Where's an area, where's somewhere where we can add value in my community? And so there's an opportunity to go on our website and actually sign up for a project. You're like, hey, this is a project that needs to be done in my community or someone I know needs something done around their house or in their neighborhood or for their town or whatever it is. Uh, A few weeks ago, I was in in the worship center or in the welcome center talking with a guy who's very involved in his local government in his local town government, and, he's, and he was getting all excited. And the reason he was all excited is because one of the big ways that he's salt and light is that he believes that serving in that capacity is, is enhancing what God's doing in his town. I talked to another woman who's very involved in her PTA. And she's on the PTA board. She's at the school all the time. And she's there because she wants desperately for more and more of the kids who attend that school to be able to have everything God desires for them to have as, far as they grow. There are so many opportunities we have to be salt and light. What excites me is what's going to happen when our mentality begins to change. We don't go through life going, hey, all right, what's life got for me? We go through life going, you know what? How can I be salt and light? How can I do a little bit today to train? I'll train a little bit today. I'll train a little bit tomorrow. I'll be even more salt and light the next day. Like, What's going to happen a few months from now? 
a year from now. If every single person who's in this room has this mentality of, man, it's my job to grow in my faith, to grow closer to God, to serve as many people as possible. We're gonna sing a song right now, it's called Light Up the Darkness. I don't know if you noticed the band came out behind me, like magic. We're gonna sing a song called Light Up the Darkness and this song is a beautiful song that says we want to see God's kingdom come. Light up the darkness. Make us instruments of love to bless the world. We wanna thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.